Wow, what a theme, what a theme, what a theme, the love of God. As they were playing up there, this thought came in my mind is that God is a warrior. And I'm 100% male, and I think in 100% male terms. And to think that God the warrior wars for me, he wars on my behalf. He wars against the things that war against me. He pursues me. He pursues me. A love that pursues. It's not a love that waits out, waits back and says, okay, should, should I come? God pursues us. He pursues us. One thing I'm realizing over time is that in my life, the closer I get to the Lord, sometimes I lose, my, I lose the awe of God because of familiarity with that. Let's go to the Lord right now. Get uncomfortable for the Lord. If it means getting down on your knees, do that. All right, but let's go to in front of the Lord and let's just open up our lives. Join me in getting on our knees before God right now. God, we thank you for our worship team. We thank you, God, for them laying it out for us today. God, we thank you so much for that. God, I thank you so much, God, for the fact that you are a God. You are a personal God. You're not a genie God. You're not a Buddha God that we put on the mantle. You are a God that is personal, that loves us, that went to the cross, that dies for us. You are a God that took all Ernie Fry and put me on the cross with you. God, you died for me. You, you died for me so that I might live. God, I thank you that you war for the things that war my soul. God, you fight against temptation. You fight against the sin of my heart. You fight against greed. You fight against bitterness. You fight against hatred. You fight against lust. You are a God that fights for us. And God, today we want to say thank you for that. If you're here today and you haven't talked to God in a long time, would you just talk to the Lord right now? Thank him. What is prayer? Prayer is talking back to God the things that are on your mind right now. Talk back to God right now. Thank him for being a warrior God. Thank you for being a warrior that went to the cross. Do that right now. Dear Heavenly Father, J14, 2018, and God, we would ask that you would get all of us today. God, you would get all of us today. That God, you would speak into our life. You would put that Holy Spirit burn in us for the things of God. God, do not let us leave here empty in our heart. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can stand up. And it is so good to be back at Central Church. We had a miracle in the first service. We actually let people out. It was a great day to be back. You may be seated. You can be seated. Uh, so we've already had one miracle today. I'm not quite sure if we'll pull it off in the second hour. Man, it was thick in here first hour. I got to talking about the things of Jesus. And when you get to talking about the things of Jesus, it messes you up. And so it was great. But church, I just want to tell you on behalf of my family who is going to get a chance to speak ever so briefly. Uh, for the last five years, we've had the privilege of traveling the world, training pastors and churches. And so every time I speak, there is a church that has provided my experience to what I teach. Who is that church? Central is that church. So I've been to some amazing places. I've been to a place called Ouagadougou. And no, that's not stuff on your shoe. It's the capital, uh, it's the capital of Burkina Faso. And when I go and teach in places, it's Central Church that has provided the ammunition that I get to share. Is that not a cool thought? It's a cool thought. All over Africa, North Africa, West Africa, East Africa, Central Africa, when I talk about pastors and when I talk about churches, it's this place that has formed the message. And so I'm standing here today, just want to thank you that it has been a wild journey. It has been an amazing journey, and y'all are a part of that. Can you say amen if you haven't done? I'll say praise God for that. We like to do things as a family, and we just cannot tell you how happy we are to be here this morning and the privilege of all of us being here together. And so it just, it just makes me 
cry to just see faces of people that we love right here. And um, just thank you for having us. Our verse for 2018 is 2 Corinthians 4.18, and it says, Do not fix your eyes on what is seen, but what is unseen. And so look, we are looking for the unseen in 2018, and um, that is something that is hard to do because we're such visual people, um, but we're looking for what God's doing that we have to do by faith, and we all have something that we need God to do in our lives, and um, that we can't see right now, but we're, we're trusting him for. And it's been a privilege. It's been five and a half years since we have been at Central Church as, as, a, as the pastor's family. And um, we've all gone through a lot of changes. Um, I've experienced a hip replacement this last year. And um, whatever change we've gone through in our hearts, we are still bonded together in, in the love of the Lord. And, and he takes those experiences that we have, and, and he can use them in bigger ways than we know. Um, we're going to be talking about a subject that's um, difficult in, in a lot of ways. It's the subject of forgiveness. And um, I just wanted to share, I remember the exact spot up on the track, right, right up there, when I was running one time, and I was listening to a song called um, East east-west. Anyway, it's about how God takes our sins away as far as the east is from the west. And I've always claimed that verse for myself, but it was right up there that God told me, you know, that verse is for Ernie too. <laughs> and, um, and so um, it's not only for our own sins, but it's for the sins of others that he erases. And, and I, I'll never forget that moment that God told me that right in this room. I used to run around and, and pray for Central every week, and, and it's just such a privilege to be back and be here, so thank you. Yes, well, it is a privilege for me to be here. My name is Morgan, and I'm now a senior at Baylor, and I'm super excited but very nervous for what's ahead. Um, this is Meredith. We'll introduce her. Yes, I'm a senior, and going into the unseen, not sure about college and what to do, but trusting in the Lord for that. And I'm Madison. I'm in the eighth grade, and it's so good to be here. Yes, and so we're going to be reading out of Psalms 103, so I just encourage you to open up to that um, right now. And as you do that, I just the Spirit of the Lord is in here during the worship, and I just love that phrase, reckless love of God, and His love is so reckless. And I just ask as we my prayer is as we read the scripture that we would just be so overwhelmed of what Christ has done for us and his character in our lives. And so I'm going to read, Meredith and I will be reading out of Psalms 103, but just our prayer today is that we would walk out differently because of what Christ has done for us. So Psalms 103, 8, it says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor, he, nor will he harbor his anger. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. So far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed and remembers that we are dust. Please bow your heads and pray with me. 
Dear Lord, we come before you today, and we are in awe of your love, and we are in awe of what you have done for us, Lord. And we thank you, God, for the way that you showed us love, why we were sinners, and why we were dead in our transgressions. But you made us alive, Lord. And we thank you, God, and we just want to thank you today. Thank you for giving us a new identity. Um, of love that you have formed out of us, God. We thank you for showing us love all the way to the death on the cross, Lord, and how you set us free from the bondage of sin. And we are no longer bound by it, but we are um, bound by you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would just um, be full of your love and thank you, Lord, for what you have done. I pray that today, as um, my dad speaks, Lord, that we would truly understand your forgiveness towards us and how we should live out of the love you have showed us. I pray, Lord, that you would open our ears and our hearts and every part of us to be able to accept this message, Lord. And we thank you, God, that our sins are gone. Um, you forgot them as far as the east is from the west. And so may we um, live in freedom because that is what, because you have set us free. And so we love you, Lord, and um, bless this message. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. So I work in Africa, and one thing about Africa, it's a continent of tribes. It's not just a continent of countries. And one of the things they do in uh, tribes is they mark people. So physically, a baby boy is born in, let's say, South Sudan, and a particular tribe will take a knife or an arrowhead and will scar them in the faces or on the forearms or on the forehead so that when you see that, that man or that, that girl, you immediately associate them with, oh, that's a Dinka. Oh, that's a, that's a newer. And your markings, your tribal markings determine your identity. Your tribal markings determine your identity. It determines who you are. It gives you value for being a Dinka, for being a, a newer tribesman. It, it defines how you act. An 18-year-old Dinka is supposed to have done certain things. It defines who you fight. It defines how you fight. And today, I'm not here to talk about African sociology, but I am here today to ask us the question that each of us in here has been marked. If you are a follower of Christ, you have been marked by Christ. Amen for that. And so now I want to ask you a question. The question is this, what is it that we do? This tribe of people called Christians, what is the thing that we do that marks us the most as Christians? Think about that. Write that down in your notes. Ponder that. What is it that we do? Not is it what is it that we believe, but what is it that we do as Christians that identify us to say, oh, he's a follower of Jesus, all right? Hang on to that thought. We're gonna pick that up in a minute. Story, how many know the story of Pat Tillman in here? Pat Tillman was as, about as good as they get as a cornerback for the Arizona Cardinals. And when 9-11 happened, he was just the previous year before had made all pro as a cornerback. 9-11 happens, he's watching these planes collide uh, in New York City, and something begins to happen inside his heart. And as he watches these things, he begins to reflect on his life, and he said, I'm a child of privilege. I play in the NFL, I got a salary that doesn't even make sense, and I've never ever done anything that ever matters before for my country. And so Pat did something that's unheard of. Pat quit the NFL at, at, at the key stage of his life to go join the U.S. Army as a private and go fight overseas. What a story. 
Newspaper headlines, Pat Tillman quits NFL, future in the U.S. Army. Within two months after he went over to Afghanistan, something happened that was not part of the plan. When he went over to Afghanistan, within two months, Pat got shot. New headlines, former NFL football player uh, Pat uh, Tillman goes overseas in, in the service and is killed in action. And they made him out to do a hero until they began to uncover what actually happened. And as they began to uncover what actually happened, Pat was not killed by the Afghanistan, uh, Afghanis. Pat was killed by friendly fire. He was killed by somebody in the U.S. Army. He was killed by one of his own. And this great mission NFL, mission Afghanistan was derailed by friendly fire. And if you know any of the story, the Army tried to cover it up. The army tried to say, no, it didn't exist, and all kind of conflicts that surrounds that. Today, I want to confess that in the church of Jesus Christ, and any times you bring believers together, wounds happen. In Christian marriage, in Christian small groups, in Christian communities called churches, all the time, we kill our own people. We, we shoot our own people. We are killed by friendly fire. It's just a reality. It happens in my own marriage. My wife is pointing to a part of the track. It's the Anne Fry turn where, where God spoke to her because of a wound that I had caused in our own marriage. It happens. And so today, what I would like to do today is I would like to bring together these two thoughts. This thought about our identity and, and, and the thing that marks us the most to an outside world that we are followers of Jesus is that we do what Jesus did. So what did Jesus do that nobody else does? He what? He forgives. He forgives. But that's where the paradox comes from. How do we forgive those that wound us so deeply? It's one thing to be stung by an outsider, but what do you do when you're stung by an insider? It's one thing to be cursed and trafficked by somebody else, but what happens when slander takes place among those in your own house, among those within your own house, and among your own church? And the good news today is we got a Savior that speaks into that. Is there an amen for that today? And there's nothing that's surprising about all the junk that goes on in our own life and in our own communities. The Lord knows about that. So if you would right now, would you turn to Romans, excuse me, Matthew chapter 5. Some of you thought that we were going to be in Psalms. That was just the reading of Scripture. We're going to be in Matthew chapter uh, 5 today, verse 43. Matthew chapter 5. I'm so excited about what Dan spoke on last week. I'm reading through Luke right now. And as you begin reading through the, the Scripture, I just want to tell you, God's going to kill you on a daily basis. I'm reading Luke right now, and I can barely survive the times I have with the Lord in the morning. He is killing me, just killing me on who Christ is. And I know Dan spoke on a yearly reading plan last week and starting the year off with Scripture. I'm telling you, buckle up, because when you begin to read the Word of God, the Word of God begins to read you. And when that begins to happen, praise God, we have a Savior, because the Bible goes down into our motives. It goes down into our hearts. And man, I tell you, Luke is wearing me out. So Matthew chapter 5, I want to talk about how we reconcile this challenge between being people that carry around forgiveness, and yet at the same time, we're wounded by those that are close to us. How do we do that? Now, some of you might find it surprising that we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, just a little bit about the context before we do the deep dive. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is rewriting religious ritual. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is rewriting religious ritual. 
You have heard that it was said, but now I say. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but now I say, do not look at a woman lustfully. You have heard that it was said, do not murder, but I say, do not speak to anybody in a certain way, or you therefore will murder them as well. Six different times, Jesus is rewriting religious relational code for us. And the last one of those is just this epic, epic rewriting of the religious code. It's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Let's read it together. You have heard it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. What's the next word? Verse 44. Contrast word, B-U-T. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Have you ever wondered if man wrote scripture, if God wrote scripture? I love reading the gospels because no man would write that. Because that's not natural. That's supernatural. You have heard that it was said, you know, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those that, that, that persecute you. Why? So that you may be what? A son of your father in heaven. If you want to mark yourself as being a follower of Christ, it's marked by the people that you love, the people that hate you. Goodness gracious. Now, how was that? Well, that's what the father does. Look at this. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. It's an illustration of the love of God. If God hated the ungodly, he would only send rain on the godly. But that's not how God's heart works. God's heart is a heart to bless even the people that are ungodly and do evil. What kind of God is that? That even God would love those who are evil and hate him. Oh, church, do we ever have a God that's just dangerous? And now look at this. Now he begins to parse our hearts. If you love those who love you, what reward do you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And, and yo, if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? But be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's pray one more time. Father, we need you today. We need you. God, this is a gut check. This is a gut check for every family that's here today. This is a gut check for this church today. God, extreme moments uh, demand extreme measures. God, we need you to speak to us today. This is where the gut punch is. Are we going to be marked by Christ even when it hurts? Or are we going to play like the world does? Are we going to be a supernatural people, the people of God that are marked, scarred by the cross because he was marked by the cross? So God, I pray that you would go after us. No 99% God today. God, we want all of you today. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Get your notes out, a couple things. Thought number one is this. I want to look at characteristics of uh, extreme forgiveness. The name of the, best, the message today is the privilege of forgiveness. Would you say that out loud with me right now? The privilege of forgiveness. Would you turn to somebody next to you and, and in good, deep, guttural preacher voice, the privilege of forgiveness. Would you do that? Uh, not many preachers out there got to spit a little bit, all right? The privilege, the privilege of forgiveness. And I want to look at some characteristics of extreme, extreme uh, goodness. Gracious, I've been gone five and a half years. Your clock is on speed in the back. Goodness. Thought it would slow down a little bit. All right, here we go. Number one, number one, Jesus, extreme forgiveness. Jesus 
reorganizes our hearts. Jesus reprograms our religious hearts. Stream forgiveness is that Jesus is going to rewire the way our hearts are wired. Well, how are our hearts wired? Every single one of us was born in such a way that if you hurt me, I will. All right, we're wired that way. You hurt me, you insult me, you tell me that I am offline, all right? All that kind of stuff. The way that we are wired as people, all right, is we are wired into neat, nice little categories. And here's how hurt works. You hurt me, now you become what? The enemy. And so now that you're in this nice little category called enemy because you've hurt me, we don't associate anymore. So now I'm into the group of people that think like me, and there's a group of people over here called the enemy, and we don't talk. But if we do talk, we throw hand grenades at one another. We throw hand grenades to each other camp because remember, you hurt me. And I love the fact of Jesus because Jesus knows this, is that churches and families and all kinds of social institutions cannot survive if that's the way our heart is wired. There is no marriage in here that will survive if you put your spouse in the category of enemy. Two things happen. One, you lose. The person that makes the other person the victim, you stand in the position of bondage to what somebody else has done. And Jesus knows that. And I love that about Jesus is that he rewrites the religious code of our heart because he knows that it will not work. A church is to be the body of Christ. It's a church is, is a place where people are to thrive. A church is a place where we are to release the potential of the body. But if the mission gets derailed, a la Pat Tillman, a la friendly fire, then all we will be doing is, is fighting internal battles and never be released for that one that we sang about that's not part of the 99. So therefore, Jesus comes and he does what? He rewrites our religious code. And how does he rewrite our religious code? He does this. Jesus becomes the one who takes our place as the offended one. How can Jesus say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? How can he say that? You ready, church? Because he did that for us. The Bible tells us that each one of us, before we became saved by Christ, we were called what? An enemy of the cross. And God the Father paraded who? God the Father paraded his son who was spat upon, who was ridiculed, and let's put a crown of thorns upon his head. And he was mocked. If there's a man in here that can stand up to mocking, you're better than I am. And that guy went in front of our place and stood and took and received that. He took our place. He became the offended one on us. So that why? So that we could achieve forgiveness. And so therefore, if that's what's been done for us, then therefore we as the Christian community, this is what? This is what we do. What do Christians do? We forgive. Do we do it in the, natu in the natural? No, because the natural is impossible. We forgive in the supernatural, and that's what Christ has done for us. So if you write anything else down, I want you to write down this next phrase. Love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Jesus is releasing two of the most powerful forces on the planet. He's releasing love and he's releasing prayer. When somebody offends you, when somebody insults you, when you hear gossip on all different kinds of social media and that flesh begins to react, you are to love and you are to pray. You are to love and you are to pray. Here's the line. You ready? Jesus, Allah, his church, goes on the offensive 
to defend the ones who have offended us. Please write this down. I want you to meditate it on it today. Jesus, Allah, his church, his people, we go on the offensive to defend the ones who have offended us. That's what believers do because that's what Christ did for us. The Trinity looks down at Ernie Fries last week and goes, there goes Ernie. He chose Sports Illustrated over the scriptures once again this morning. Oh my goodness, look at my son Ernie. Once again, Ernie chose something else over me instead of the Word of God. That's not how God works. Look at my son. He's not fully formed yet. He's not fully formed. I'm praying for his heart. I'm praying for his heart. I'm praying that his heart will change. I'm praying that he would choose love. I'm praying that he would choose love. That's how the Savior right now is interceding on our behalf. Amen for that? And that's what we do as a church. Can you believe they said that to me? Can you believe he did that? And so what happens? Here we go reacting like the world. And so if we play out this, apart from what Jesus says, we will keep building these little tight little neighborhoods of people that think like us and act like us. The problem with that, there's no love of Christ that's in that. And so Jesus comes with a whole completely standard, different standard. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Why? Because that's what I have done for you. The gospel is not past tense. This is what Christ does for us right now. Is anybody under conviction right now? Yes, sir. Is there any marriage right now that's under conviction? Is there any church member that is under conviction right now for the way that you, the way that we have conducted ourselves in the body of Christ? We are not a natural group of people. We're not the Lions Club. Rawr. I went to a Lions Club. Anybody been to the Lions Club? They roar at the end of that. Rawr. We're not the Lions Club. We're something better. Third thing is this. Number one, it rearranges our heart. Number two, puts us on the offensive. Number three, it's this. You know what I'm, let me just give it to you real quick and then we got to get to some application. It applies to all people in all situations. It applies to all people in all situations. There's not exception clauses to this but you don't know my husband, but you don't know my wife, but you don't know what they said to me, right? It applies in every situation. There's not an exception clause. There's no exception clause. Anybody heard of the horse secretariat? I'm not a big horse guy, but I have heard of secretariat. Secretariat was a very, very famous racehorse. Won all kinds of uh, rewards, won the big races. When a horse dies, they do an autopsy on it. When secretariat died, they they dove in and pulled out its parts, and and they noticed that on secretariat, the reason that this horse had incredible explosion and incredible speed is when they found its heart, secretariat's heart was three times the normal size of a normal horse. A normal horse heart is eight pounds. Secretariat's heart was like 25.12 pounds. His heart was incredibly much larger than other horses, which gave him the speed of birth so that when he turned that last corner that Ann's talking about up there on the cross, on the track, he had the capacity to finish. For those of us that call ourselves Christians in here, our heart is equal to what? The heart of Christ. 
And so that when you encounter the wounds of somebody else, you're not responding to those wounds like a normal man. When you encounter the wounds of somebody else, we respond what? Like the wounds of Jesus in the way that he responded. Because that's the heart that Christ is giving us. Is there an amen in the church today? It's the way we respond. That's what he's doing in us. We go on the offensive to defend those who have offended us because that is what Christ has done. That's what Christ is doing. And that's what Christ wants his church to do, to do as well. His name was Deo. He is a bishop in the church in Burundi. If you don't know about Burundi, they have a couple tribes called the Hutus and the Tutsis. And when Deo was about 10 years old, a guy at the end of his street, he saw this man at the end of the street murder two of his family members. And Deo began to harbor scenes in his mind of great vengeance. He began to play out these tapes of of not only harming this man, but harming this man's kids, because that would get right. But something happened to this vengeance mission. When he was 12, Deo came to know Jesus. And when Deo came to know Jesus at age 12, a different spirit began to flow in him. And as he began to follow Christ, he began to realize, I can't harbor this anger and hatred toward this guy because Christ has forgiven me. i got to forgive this guy. So he went up and he knocked on this guy's door. And he said, hey, I just want to tell you that that I've murdered your sons often in my thoughts. I said, what are you talking about? My kids are right back here playing. How, How have you murdered them? And he said, I've murdered them in my mind and in my thoughts. And I want to tell you this. I've come to ask for forgiveness because I'm now a follower of Jesus. And because I'm a follower of Jesus, I have to ask you for forgiveness for what I've thought about doing to your kids. Thank you very much. Doors shut. He goes back. Time goes on. Several days, several weeks later goes by. That man comes down and he says, based upon what you have done for me, I have considered what I have done and acknowledged that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of my life as well. Would you please forgive me for what I have done? Amen for that. Amen for that. Her name was Patrice. She was in our former church before Central. Been married, had two kids. And when we got there, Patrice was separated from her husband. Her husband had found somebody else and had left her and was out doing what unfaithful men do. A lot of people came to Patrice and said, Patrice, you know, it's, uh, I guess you're free to, to marry, remarry. She said, what are you talking about? It's not the Bible that I read. I don't see in Scripture that I have the freedom to remarry. I see in Scripture what the Lord has asked me to do is to pray for Ken and to pray for him 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 and to leave it in the hands of God. I can't do it, but God can turn my husband's heart back to me and our family. One year goes by, three years go by, five years goes by, no Ken back in the house. Year seven, something like that. Ken comes back to the home because a woman was faithful to pray and to love her husband back into the house. Church, when Jesus gives us these principles and he says to us to pray for and to love, there's power in those things. And when you forgive somebody, it releases in you the angst of unforgiveness, the angst of bitterness, and brings freedom to a situation that is reckless, as the song said, and it's freeing, and it does things that you would never imagined. Every single one of us today, every single one of us today, has issues in our life in regards to forgiveness. This is a very personalized message today because each of us, it applies to us. One final question, you can write it down, is this. Who is it that I need to forgive because of Christ? 
The interesting thing when we get on this topic, it's not theoretical and it's not philosophical. When we get on this topic, it's profoundly personal. Youth, it might be a mom or dad. Married couple, it's definitely a spouse. Church, it's definitely somebody in the church. It might be leadership. Leadership, it might be somebody in the church. The reality is, is that this applies to all people in all situations. Amen for that? So my challenge today before we pray is that we would not let forgiveness die in our mouth. We would not let forgiveness die in our hands. We would not let forgiveness die in our hearts, but we would do something based upon what Christ has done for us. You know what you need to do. So I'm going to pray for us right now, and as I pray, I just want to invite you to the altar right here, the privilege of forgiveness. We do not forgive out of obligation. We do not forgive out of duty. We forgive out of the overflow of what Christ has done on our behalf. And as I pray right now, I just invite you to come to the altar. It's a message for every single one of you. I do want to say this, that if you don't have Christ, you don't have the power to forgive other people. You might be a profoundly religious person. You might be a church attender. You might be profoundly moral. But without the love of Christ, you do not have the capacity to forgive those who have wounded you. But when Christ comes into your life, he gives you something that you never had before. You get his heart. You're now a secretariat, so to speak, that you can now forgive those who have wounded you. Amen for that. So I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to open up the front and just a chance to come to the front and just ask that the healer would do what the healer does. At the end of the last service, a couple came up to me that when I was at Central, I had prayed for them for two, three, four, five years. They came up to me and said, we're back together again. We're back together again. God is the healer of marriages. God is the healer of churches. God is the healer of pastors' marriages. He's the, he's the healer of that. That's what he does. Can we go to the Lord in prayer right now? I invite you to the front. I invite you to respond the way the Lord is leading you to respond. Take some time right now and just to open your heart up to the Lord. What is it that Jesus is asking of you today? What is Jesus asking of you today? Who is he asking you to forgive? Martin Luther King Day tomorrow. Wow, city of Memphis. As you're praying, I just want to remind and read scripture over us. Forgiveness is not an option. At the end of Matthew 18, this great passage on forgiveness, it says, if you do not forgive in light of all that you've been forgiven, you will not be forgiven yourself. Forgiveness is not an option. It's not something that, that we choose to do or not to do. A believer forgives because Christ has forgiven us. His muchness to our littleness. Father, speak to us today. Speak to this church. When I started at Central Church in 2000-something, I came into a church that was full of stories. A stories of a church that was overflowing with the secretariat heart of Christ. A story of a love for homosexuals. A story of a love for all kinds of just sinful things. Central was the place that people came because it was strong in love. 
and it was strong in forgiveness and it reconciled the unreconcilable. That was what the church was. And you couldn't fit enough people in the house because that was the church that Central was. It was known for that. It was known as a place of forgiveness. It was known as a place of healing. It was known as a place that you came and got clean. Could it be God? Could it be God that you have that in store for us? Could it be, God, that you're exposing our hearts so that you might bring the winds of forgiveness through us to restore us back? We don't go back weaker after forgiveness. We go back stronger because now we're in the love of Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're a warrior God. And I thank you, God, that you war after the things that I don't war very good at. God, I hold grudges. God, I I have bitterness. I can remember the faces and I can remember the words of people that have hurt me. But in Christ, you've enabled me to forgive. In Christ, you've enabled me to pray for them. In Christ, you've enabled me to think the best of them and not the worst because that's what you do for me. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for central. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for hope. We thank you for eternity. God, we thank you that our slate is clean. God, I thank you because I believe that the best years of this church are in front of it and not behind it. Why do I believe that? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so God, I pray today for your healing in every one of our hearts, that God, your wind of forgiveness would blow through even me now. In your mighty name we pray, amen.